You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hope you brought an apple for the teacher because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. Welcome, most diligent of scholars, to another episode of the Star Seminar, your team taught class, nay, your graduate seminar that is team taught by two of the most preeminent cowboysologists. Yours truly, Dr. Rabble Rouser, and as always, my comrade in arms, the, new, the Nobel laureate, the famed one, Dr. Danny Phantom. How are you on this fine evening, sir? I am doing really well. I, um, I'm in a good mood. Um, you know, I'm glad the week's kind of winding down. I'm looking forward to having a nice, uh, relaxing weekend. Um, it's actually, uh, today is actually my 27th wedding anniversary. Um, Congratulations. So, yeah, I, uh. We got nothing planned uh, for today, but uh, definitely uh, be something on the horizon, hanging out with the wife and uh, doing something. But you know what? Honestly, we just like to just relax and just watch movies together. That's kind of that's our thing. That's mm. that's a, that's the thing that we love to do. And um, and actually, last night I was watching the movie Stand by Me. Oh you, yeah, you great know, movie. I'm sure you're well aware of that one is actually filmed in Oregon. Um, Mm-hmm. Rob Reiner directed it, and, um, and actually, I went to college with one of the guys in that movie. I don't know if I—I I think I've, I've probably told you this before. Maybe I haven't. I don't know. But um, he wasn't a big character. Actually, he was a big character. He was. Oh yes. He was uh, lard ass Davy Hogan from the the pie eating the pie eating contest. contest. Yeah. Uh-huh. So he actually went to school at Oregon State, and uh, we we actually lived in the same. Uh, um, living uh, housing place, and um, so I met him, talked to him. We weren't like buddies or anything, but you know, we were. You know, I talked to him several times. I actually got his autograph because my cousin. Uh, you know, I told my family, yeah, hey, I go, you know, go to school with him. You know, remember this guy from Stand By Me, and because she wanted me to get his autograph, and I I asked him for his autograph, which he was super nice and like, no, I don't think he gets asked for his autograph, but he gets. I got his autograph and gave it to my cousin, but then my cousin was disappointed because when I said I went to the you know, school with the fat guy from Stand By Me. She actually thought it was Jerry O'Connell. You know? oh. So she was a little disappointed that it says Andy Lindbergh is the actual guy's name. That was. I, I, I'm assuming you didn't tell Andy that she was disappointed because no. she thought he was the other fat guy. Yeah, no, I, I definitely <laughs> we didn't need to go back and clarify that. He was he was very nice to give the autograph and probably thought I was a weirdo that I would even want it. But Stand By Me is a great movie. You know, it's it's a good. You it know, is. I love the story and uh, really good. And, uh, but I want to ask you, I, mean, I know that this guy's not like some big celebrity or anything, but 
did you have you ever had any run-ins with any famous people or you got a good like little celebrity stories to tell oh yeah i got a whole bunch of them you know i was in i was in the performing arts for a long time so i know a lot of uh actors that are household names and have worked with some of them and stuff like that when i was uh, younger um but uh interestingly if you're talking about you know going to going to school with someone uh i, I have a sort of inverted version of that i actually went to uh the high school that was the inspiration for the book and then movie fast times at ridgemont high oh. so all you old heads probably know that movie very well so the the, the backstory here is that cameron crow who grew up in san diego where i grew up um uh went under he was, he, he was actually a sort of child prodigy in terms of like music criticism wrote for rolling stone you've you've probably seen almost famous uh that's his that's his thinly veiled autobiography um he uh knew a lot of people in the local journalism scene and actually a sort of friend of a friend was a, was a, a journalism teacher at our high school and he worked it out with her to basically go undercover for a year as a student he was young enough to be able to do that um and uh got to know everybody in the school etc and wrote fast times at Richmond high about my high school so um you guys may know of the great jeff spicoli Absolutely. uh sean, sean penn's early early uh sort of splash on on the silver screen well uh i actually know the dude that he was modeled after is a guy named jeff nikolai um who was so shockingly enough a blonde-haired stoner surfer dude <laughs> and there were a lot i was you know i grew up in san diego so there were a, a whole you know whole uh, cadre of those guys in my high school who'd all like hang out along the wall wearing their op and hang 10 stuff you know with um deep deep hands and and like peeling cheeks where they got sunburned along along their along their cheek lines etc so um i actually also wrote for the school paper and so um cameron crow a lot of the people he knew were affiliated with the paper because that was his kind of in at our school. And so I actually uh, ended up knowing a lot of the different people who um, the characters in Fast Times at Ridgemont High were modeled after. Sadly enough, B.B. Cates did not go to my high school. And I did not get invited to a pool party where she emerged <laughs> from the pool in slow motion. Oh man, that would have been a great pool party to be invited to for sure. Oh, the best, the best. Um, so, so listen, uh, we have a party of our own scheduled here. Uh, last week, uh, as faithful listeners may recall, we uh, talked about um, some free agent decisions the Cowboys have to make on offense. This week, we're going to turn to the other side of the ball and talk about some decisions they have to make on defense. And we're also going to talk a, a little bit about about the defense uh, a little more. I believe we're going to. Uh, Play a little game that you've concocted for us to make some decisions about yes. some contracts for some free agents that the, the Cowboys have on the docket. Um, before we get into that, though, uh, we are recording on February 29th on Leap Day. And in honor of Leap Day, I wanted to ask you, is there a player who you think is poised to ta -ta -ta, take a leap? Uh, between the 23 and 24 NFL seasons for our beloved Dallas Cowboys. Oh, man. i tell you what. Uh, there's a lot of choices for this one simply because, um, you know, I just wrote about this this past week talking about the Cowboys, their hit percentages on their draft picks. And uh, one of the things that was, you know, glaring on, the, on that is the fact that 
2023 was so empty with mm. um with you know players that you know were turned into starters at least in year one so there's a lot of there's a lot of options that potentially could could um meet this criteria uh who who would i pick of those choices um so hard honestly i i i guess uh, you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna be bold here i'm gonna go against what i my gut i'm gonna go against my gut and i'm gonna say that the cowboys are going to be right and and seeing something with eric scott jr Mm, good call i um i mean obviously they earned a lot of uh you know credit credibility with the whole duran bland thing and uh Mm -hmm. um of course if we could all don't have to go back too far to find out the whole you know nation right thing too so um but I don't know. We didn't see him last year, and, and everyone's wondering, you know, what's up with that. Of course, the Cowboys they did they did have some good depth, even losing play. You know, one of their best corner, they still had some depth. So I mean, it's not, it would have been hard for him to get on the field anyway. Uh, but I really think that you could see a nice uh, year two from from him. He's he's. Uh, I mean, I I would say that that would probably be the one that would make me feel the best. Why would it make you feel the best? I think that the Cowboys need some corner help. And I think mm-hmm. that they, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to keep thinking that they're just going to be so stubborn about their type and they're just going to keep doing this. And they're, I was surprised that they haven't, didn't make a, a different, like a more uh, earlier round draft pick with the corner. Um, but they, so they've been kind of doing this with the late round. And I feel like, I feel like it's important and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about why later. Uh, but I feel like it's really important to for the Cowboys to you know find some depth on the outside. So and, and that's a, that's a really important position. So that's why it would it would make me feel good because it would tell me that they they know what they're doing when it comes to mm-hmm. finding this guy. And I'll tell you what, Deron Bland didn't know who he was. I mean, I honestly, I, yeah. from all the players I looked at it, and, and, and they they found something with him. They sure did. And I think in some ways, you know, also helping to counterbalance the uh, nation right, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not going to call it a fiasco, but, I'm, you know, the nation, the nation right disappointment is um, he, I know he's a different position, but in, in terms of defensive backs who, who are late round is is uh, the revelation that Marquise Bell proved to be. So, I mean, they, they have a type that they pursue that and in, in, on day three and in, um, you know, as UDFAs and they've hit on several of these cats. So they're, they're pretty, they're pretty good at, at, at identifying people who can make a difference. I think the one I ha- I'm going to go for uh, is just, you know, I think it's one that's uh, that I wouldn't even be allowed to choose had he not suffered an early injury last year. And that's DeMarvion Overshone. Yeah. I think that he was just lightning in a bottle if he gets any of that back, I mean, his hustle, his, his, he had, I think a level of, of awareness and playmaking ability that I was not expecting to see after watching some of his college tape where he always seemed like he was a little st- a step late. He seemed like he was athletic, but he didn't seem that explosive. He was so explosive. He was all over the field. And I know it was just a preseason game and even douche Vaughn looked good in the preseason. But I think that, um, I think that, uh, there's something there and i think that losing him really really w- was tough on them yeah um, i think that's a good choice um, 
I, I think, yeah, I mean, I honestly, I think there's three or four guys. I mean, I think that uh, Jalen Brooks wide receiver might make a leap. I think that both Mozzie and Scooney might make a leap. I think there's a, I don't know about Fahoka. I don't know if he, what kind of fit he is for, for a uh, Zimmer defense. Cause he does seem to be a tweener and I'm not, right. not sure where he fits. I mean, maybe he'll be a strong side end at times. I'm not sure he's the kind of defensive tackle that Zim likes. So that one's got me kind of up in the air, but I think almost every other, every other dude has a, has a chance yeah. to really take a step forward. Forward. So a couple of points I think that need to be made before we get uh, into our game. Um, and this leads right into it, which is that I think that the, de- the one of the reasons why we didn't see as much from the 2023 draft class is that a, the, the two guys they drafted in rounds one and two were at, and we've talked about this before, we're at notoriously slow developing right. positions. These are positions where it's really hard from a strength and leverage perspective, especially to make the jump and just come in as a rookie. It's not the kind of position where you can just rely on your natural athletic gifts like running back or corner right. and survive if you're an elite athlete, right? Uh, I think that's one of the reasons why the Cowboys, why the Cowboys actually quite, I think, wisely tend to choose tight ends from college uh, programs that tend to really run pro style offenses and run the rock a lot, Wisconsin, Stanford, Michigan, right? These are, (laughs) they like to draft, they like to draft tight ends from uh, Harbaugh like teams, but that's because those guys have learned how to be inline blockers. And, you know, this, this new wave of tight ends can't do that at all. So that that's to their credit, but it still takes a couple of years to get the strength and the savvy, et cetera, to become, uh, an NFL cal- caliber player at those positions. So that I, I think that's part of it. And the other thing is it's a really deep and talented group. So guy, guys like your friend, Eric Scott might've made a, a lot more of a splash a year or two before, but there's a Duran Bland in front of him now, you know, and, and there's a Stefan Gilmore in front of him now. And so that, it was a really, really deep team in so deep. In fact, that they, were for the most part. I know that there dis- there were some real disappointments in the last part of the season, but um, for the most part, they were able to weather some pretty significant injuries. I I, I feel like because they did so well, we we're losing sight a little bit of the fact that they lost their all pro corner. They lost their only like legitimate, mm-hmm. you know, between the tackles run plugger, and they lost. They're probably mo- the guy who would have been their most dynamic linebacker by the end of the year. They also have lost their best special teams player who happens to also be sort of characterized as a cornerback. So those are some pretty significant hits they took. And, um, you know, and they got rocked a little bit, obviously, in the in the Cardinals game when uh, they had trouble, I think, surviving the uh, the news that, that Diggs had gotten hurt. But other than that, they really did quite well given those losses because those losses all happened before the, before the season's midpoint, I believe. Um, the other thing that I'm thinking about in terms of the defense, and I know this doesn't have to do with free agency, but it's got me thinking, is I wanted to do a little – it's a it's it's not a, an, an in-depth study, but I wanted to do a little study and then kind of run it by you um, to see if, like – when does Micah Parson get his sacks and hurries? So I, what I wanted to do is just divide the, the season into three segments. So games one through six, like that's in some ways the preseason, the beginning of the season. Uh, games seven through 11, that's that fat middle October, November, and then game seven through 12. That's the final six. So there's six, then five, then six. Okay. 
what percentage and, and and so Micah Parsons in the, his three years in the NFL has 40 and a half sacks in his career. What percentage of those do you think have come in each of those segments, the, the beginning, middle and end of the season? Oh man, this is like picking, picking a briefcase of trying to figure out like which one's got the big value in it or. Oh, but who would do that? Who would do that? Uh, I, uh, so first off, I don't know the answer to the, this question, but, but I wanted to try to give my best. Guess. I feel, I feel like most of this, most of this is early. So I would actually, I would say 50% would go into the first part of the season. And I, I feel like I might be getting this wrong because like, it just, it just feels that way, but maybe it's not. I would definitely think the the last part is the last, the smallest percent, and I would think the middle is the middle. But I feel like he's he comes out of the gate hot and kind of maybe tapers a little, and then we just don't hear about sacks down the stretch, and that's when people start saying, "Well, Mike is not getting the sacks." And then you know everyone's always talking about him, defensive player of the year, you know, from early part of the season. But then it, I, I feel it kind of fades. So I'm going to say, ranking them in order, I think it. He does the most in the the first part, the second in the middle, and then then the the least in the last. Um, very close, very close. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right about the uh, least in the last. The interesting thing about that is he actually has almost half his sacks in that middle five games. Really? So if it, so, yeah. I mean, part of that's because he started a little slow as a rookie. Um, you know, he had two and a half sacks in the first six games and as, as a rookie, and that was uh, one of the lower periods. But like the last two years, he's had one, one and a half sacks and then two and a half sacks in the final six games. So he's, you're, you're absolutely on to something. He's not getting sacks at the end of seasons, and he's not really even getting hurries at the end of his seasons. His hurries uh, are actually quite evenly dispersed. Almost every one of those, um, you know, sections, he's gotten four. Uh, except for the middle of his rookie season where he had eight. So he, he, and he had one game where he had five. So that's just, I think he had a one game sort of aberration where he had an incredible game in terms of hurries. But other, other than that, he's very, fairly consistent. So it's not like he's, he's getting close a lot more or something like that. I think it, it, it's that he's just, um, he's not getting to the quarterback. And so I guess my question for you, but also for all our listeners and Cowboys Nation in general is, what do you think that's about? Do you have any, do you have any sort of initial impressions about what's going on with Micah? Is it a scheme thing? Is he getting worn out? What's up with that? And, and I guess the question we, we probably don't have time to answer today, but I think we should put it out there is, can Mike Zimmer, who certainly has noticed this, do something about it? Yeah, I mean, those, those are all good questions. And then we've had this conversation before and we, I think we both um, deduced that the Cowboys are are put are overextending their best player a little bit to where he he is gassing out, a, you know, toward the end, and you can kind of see where I mean he you see him, you know, he's just he's he's huffing and puffing, and uh, so I do think that does catch up with him. And of course, we've also talked about him being undersized compared to what your typical mm-hmm. defensive end. Um, so that that does take a toll, uh, and of course. You know, Cowboys fans will be the first to tell you uh, all the times that he basically just gets mauled, you know, as he's rushing. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I'm sure that's <laughs> that also is very taxing on a player, too. So I think if I had to put one thing on it, I would think that he's just he's wearing out. Um, I, I don't know necessarily. I, I can't 
really stand here and and with any sort of evidence and say that they're doing anything scheme wise that they're not using him in a correct manner. But I do feel like Zimmer, he's experienced enough to know how to use his best player. And so, I mean, I'm expecting things to be no worse going to uh, Mike Zimmer with um, with Micah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. I, I feel like teams, when he plays linebacker, teams can scheme to, ke- to keep him out of the pass rush by the route combinations they um, they throw out there. And I think that then the, by extension, what happens is he makes it too easy for other teams because they know where he's going to be. Yeah. He's going to be the weak side end, right? There's a couple of the guys who are going to be the strong side end. He's going to basically be the weak side wide end. And He's going up against the, uh, you know, the, the team's best tackle, who's almost always 80 pounds heavier than he is, and that, that's 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 a that's a lot to overcome. Um, I also think that, in terms of the run game, teams find ways to get the Cowboys out of their um, some of some of their pass rush games through through the running game, right. and I think that that and I think that teams figure that out toward the middle of the season. And that that has been a factor as well. So I do think there's there is a scheming element. It's not about what the Cowboys aren't doing and scheming their pass rush. I think it's about their reaction to what other teams are doing. Right. But listen, speaking of reactions and speaking of doing, you have been doing some fine work to prepare a little game for us, haven't you? I yes, I have. So I so mean, please tell us about this game, fine sir. All right, Rob. So like you mentioned before, we did went over the. Cowboys offensive decisions uh, last week. A lot of those, some of those weren't even actual free agents, but they were very important pieces that we need to talk about as far as extensions and possible releases. Um, and so and we covered that last week. Uh, when I was first looked at the defensive players, it really, you know, it, there's not like, it's not like the offense to where there's some really big ones. And, you know, we need to get this one locked in and then it's more of a situation where you got a bunch of players that have been good contributors for the Cowboys and good value players for the Cowboys but now they're entering free agency and as far as determining which which of these guys are going to come return or not it's tough and it's really going to come down to the price tag I I can see Mm -hmm. I can see a lot of these players falling either direction depending on what the price is so what I have done for you, Rabs, is today we are going to play a game, deal or no deal. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a player, and I am going to give you their price. And you are going to decide if you are going to take that deal or not. And then then explain why you're making that decision. And I have to say to all of our listeners, uh, this is not a visual medium. If it were, you could see that Dr. Phantom has shaved his head in preparation for this game. As with most things that Rab says, that is not true. I'm not that dedicated <laughs> to my my uh, craft. Uh, but um, what I have done, though, is I have the how I've come up with these these values. I'll just quickly explain. It's I don't try to overthink it. I just try to go with what I know and use the data available to me. So what I've done is I've looked at where these players are lining up and ranking wise relative to their position uh, a lot of okay. uh, a lot of those rankings i agree with i may reposition them slightly here or there just based on my own personal evaluation of that player and then so then i will use that ranking i will go look 
look online and find out how much player of that same um, ranking got paid last season. And then I will, of course, give them the, the new year raise, which I just go off the seller cap increase and it's 13% uh, up this year. So whatever that person made last year at that ranking, give them 13% more. And that's how they got, that's how they come up with their deal. So that's their price. That's how we're going to do this. Are you ready okay. to begin, sir? I am ready. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so we're going to start in the trenches. You know, you, you mentioned Micah Parsons. So we're going to talk about a couple of his edge rushing mates here. I'm going to start with what I believe will be the most expensive of the two. And I am going to go with Dorrance Armstrong, a two-year, $14 million deal. Okay, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. At that price, I'm making a deal. Oh. Because I think he's actually going to get ten million a year. I think in the last couple of years, after they were miraculously able to sign him after losing Randy Gregory because they had a bunch of extra cash, all of a sudden they got him at a great price, and he has produced. He's produced like a high-level starter. Someone's going to pay him high-level starter money, I think, because he's still only twenty-six. So if they can get him at two for for fourteen, heck yeah, I'm. Definitely taking that for his production because he's a very good defensive uh, rotation piece and an excellent, excellent special teams player. Indeed, yeah, for sure. And I think a lot, you know, a lot of people may forget just not not just special teams player, but he's also he's he's not terrible against the run. He's not just a, a no. pin your ears back pass rusher. There's some versatility too. I love this guy. Um, I. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he got $10 million a year. I don't think he's there. I think he's the reason why he, they, why he might be positioned where he is ranking-wise, where, and, where, and I agree with, is because although he's kind of been in a, this um, backup role, I, don't, I haven't seen anything from him that's kind of elevated him to, to where he can, you know what, he could be that guy. Some people, that they get stuck behind tough, you know, a, a strong pass rush, and, you know, they're just not really allowed to, spread their wings. I don't know that that's the case with Dorrance. Uh, I, I almost feel like you kind of know what you get with him. And, and, it's, and certainly it's a good player, but I, I just don't put him in that like special category. And I don't, so to me, that's why if I'm the Cowboys, I don't think I can, I don't think I'm going to invest there. You already have tank and you already have Mike is of course going to get lots of money mm -hmm. uh, real soon. And I do, I do think they have a young, you know, player in Sam Williams, 
uh, that's ready to take those threats as well. So to me, I'm not taking the, I love Dorrance, uh, so I, but I am going to pass on that deal. But another edge rusher, this one is more of a pin your ears back and go after him, is Dante Fowler, who by all accounts been very valuable to this team as a depth piece. Uh, I, I, I can't say that. You know, I know I'm pleased with him, but here's the price for him. You tell me what you're doing. Uh, one year, $3.5 million. Let him walk. Let him walk. He's gone. Yeah, he's going to Washington anyway. I don't think I don't think he's I don't think he wants to be here. I don't know. I, I don't think Zimmer wants him to be here. I don't think even though that's a pretty good price for a vet who's going to give you the production he gives. Uh, I don't think Zimmer wants the mistakes, especially from a veteran. Yeah, I totally agree. I think he's going to go to Washington also. Mm-hmm. But I also agree that I really like the price. And, and you know, if you are losing Armstrong, I mean, at $3.5 million, I think, I mean, I would I would be pleased if the Cowboys yeah. retained him. I didn't actually think he would be kept last year. I think they signed him on a one-year deal, and I was surprised that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I, honestly, I would hope that they would be able to maybe do something again, give him a little bit of a, a pay increase from a year ago. And uh, But he he is just kind of like a one-trick pony. There's, you're not going to be able to do much else with him. Uh, but that's fine. I think death pieces are still valuable so i kind of i don't know i'm on the fence i, I think that i think they got to come away with one of these two and i think that you probably picked the better of the two i just think that armstrong might be a little bit priced out in dallas so at your price you you would agree in that sense but all right let's move inside we've got a couple of um you know lesser known big bodies to uh talk <laughs> about here uh let's start with uh a guy that I wasn't even sure if he would make the team last year. That's uh, Neville Gallimore. One year, $1.2 million. Um, I thought that At that price? So here's the thing. The Cowboys are probably going to want to bring in a defensive tackle or two because I think that's one of the positions where they just don't have the kind of bodies and athletes that that Zimmer likes. Mozzie Smith may prove to be that kind of guy. He has the potential to be that kind of guy, but they don't really have those that, that, those kind of guys in-house. I think what they can afford to do and what and the kind of athlete they can afford to bring in, it's probably somebody like Gallimore. And honestly, that price, I don't mind it. He's a he's actually a pretty big dude. He's not great at you know splitting double teams, but he's not terrible at it. He actually came on a little bit toward the end of the year last year. And um I tell you what, at that price, I needed to bring in a veteran who's going to be insurance in case I can't get someone in the draft, right? And so why not bring in a known commodity who fits at least some of the things that Zimmer's, I think, I think looking for in a defensive tackle. Um, so yeah, sign me up, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it because that's the, that's a cuttable salary, right? That's the kind of salary you can cut if you get lucky. And let's say one of those Texas defensive tackles falls to you at 24. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think it's your it's the price is just I mean it's very affordable and I I and I also agree that he played really well and I was surprised every time I would look at snap counts and you know just, just do like the you know eye check thing I, I would always be surprised like well he played that much and so I mean mm-hmm. they were they were using him um, mm-hmm. and he, you know he started off he things were looking good I don't I really can't explain why things kind of just started to go south for him, but he definitely had a, a good 
year and, and a contract year. Uh, mm-hmm. I am I'm, I have him. The Cowboys not signing him because I I think that um, they're going to find other guys for good prices that are going to fit more with what Zimmer wants to do. Uh, so I'm just thinking that Gallimore won't be in the mix um, this year. But one guy I do think is going to be in the mix. Didn't mean to give away my answer, but I got Jonathan Hankins, one year, 1.5 million grabs. Are we bringing Big Hank back? Well, I think we can only bring one of these two guys back. So I guess the question is, which one do you bring back? And for me, the one who still has an arrow that could be pointing at least slightly up is Gallimore. I think I think Hankins' arrow is pointing down. I think he's already hit the zenith of his career. He's been injured every year the last couple of years, right? For He's missed multiple games. He's, he's, starting, to, he's starting to wear down a little bit. I, give me the guy whose whose arrow is pointing up, e- even if it's only slightly above level, above horizontal. Um, for and I get to save three hundred thousand dollars. So I'll take Gallimore, and I, I'm going to let Hankins walk. Okay, I uh, I, I mean that that's a fair point, and I definitely if, if I believe that Gallimore could take that step forward, I I would probably subscribe to that mm-hmm. too. And then you're absolutely right with Hankins. You're you know you know what you're getting, and and there's there's no it's not going to get any better. And uh, like you said, it's a more likely to even get worse if he misses more time. But um, I do like Hankins as kind of a safety. And he's not the guy that I want now. Like he like to me, initially, like he could provide some answers. If you, you give him some good reps, especially early down reps, he could provide some answers. But to me, I'm just looking at him as providing a safety net. I almost would like to see two Hankins. I mean, one, maybe a little, mm-hmm. little more investment. And then Hankins being the backup to that guy. Um, that's what I would like to see to give them basically two big noses to, and not just rely solely on Hankins as your, your best nose, which I think he was for the Cowboys mm-hmm. over the last two, two seasons. So to me, for that price, I'm still, I still like the guy. I think he's still, um, he's still playing well enough and helping the team. I would just like to see some of his reps dropped a little bit for me and, and having another big nose in there in the mix as well. So that's where I feel with Higgins. So let's move out. We're going to move out a bit. Um, so we covered the defensive line. Now we're going to talk about, I don't know if you want to call this guy a linebacker or you want to call him a safety, but uh, he's the only one of either. And uh, that is J. Ron Kirst. And I have him down as a two-year, $6 million deal. I don't I don't care if you had 10 years for a dollar fifty. He's not coming back. You're done with him. He's, he's, he, I, now, I'm you, done with him. Are you, him and I, or are you are this just... Well, I, I mean, listen, the Cowboys are not going to sign him. So I think it's a, it's a, as Joey Trebbiani on Friends would say, it's a moo point. So I think that, um, I mean, Zimmer hates him. And uh, there's, there's not much point. But I also, but I also think that he's kind of cooked. I think the league yeah. is kind of like, I think, I think Quinn and the defensive staff did a great job yes. of figuring out. The, the couple things he did well and putting him in situations to do those things as often as possible. And the league, uh, I think was kind of shocked by that for a bit, but, but figured it out. And I think it, he just feels like he was, he had a, a very um, heavily exploited yeah. season last year. I'm not, pu- I'm not paying two years for that yeah. because I, I don't, I think he's also a declining player. Yeah, I totally agree too. I was, yeah, honestly, I was just really, I, I really liked Curse. I thought, especially after his first year in Dallas, and like, oh. where did that come from? And 
but absolutely I never saw that ability in him. And I did, but you're absolutely right. I think what Quinn was able to get, and remember, he is an undrafted free agent, I believe. If, if, if he's not, he's a late round pick. I can't remember. He's just one, he's he's not an early investment, but that's for sure. But he, and um, he just really turned into just like a backup guy with me when he played for Zimmer in Minnesota. And I think he's a, a year in Detroit, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't know where that player went. And um, Cowboys, they have other safeties and they have other players that can do what he does. I don't think that they'd be spending a dime on him as well. So, and then, oh. I, I mean, I listen, I think we have to be clear that like there's going to be so much competition for that sort of like strong safety, safety backer position. Yes. And Marquise Bell, who is an infinitely better player, younger, cheaper, and his arrow is definitely headed up. Absolutely. Uh, is going to be competing. And it has a very, very similar body type, but actually a lower center of gravity. I mean, why would you keep him? You got at least two guys, if not three, who can do the same thing better. Right. And speaking of body type, if you, I mean, remember they drafted, you know, DeMarmion Overshone as to be yes. their new J. Ron Curse, who, I mean, that guy is uh, athletic. And I mean, so, I mean, this, he could be mm-hmm. the, if you could think of like J. Ron, um, but just like a, a super athlete, but good but good yeah <laughs> uh, i mean yeah so yeah. i mean you're absolutely right when you talk about one name thomas and dono everybody that's kind of the more strong safety guys a lot you know we're, we'll be looking for our harrison smith and of course he's not on the roster but who's the guy that could uh mm-hmm. most likely fill that type of role and stuff and yeah certainly i think you're right there's just no there's no place for for jaron so um moving back we got two more spots to talk about here um, okay. so we're going to go with, so we're going to go with cornerback position. And, and we talked earlier and these, these are kind of, we both believe these are tied together, but I just want to, let's just go right to Stefan Gilmore. Um, I got him at one year, 9 million. Are the Cowboys bringing him back? Uh, am I bringing him back? Probably. If the, are the Cowboys bringing him back? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think the Cowboys look at Bland and Diggs as a really, really tough pair to go against because no matter where you go, you're going up against a pickoff machine. And I think they probably feel like, and Zimmer might feel this way too. He'd rather, you know, we talked before about how important the nickel corner is for him in his defense, especially the guys that kind of like, commander in chief of all the underneath coverage and has to be a really smart player and um i'm not sure deron bland who i think he's probably perfectly you know capable but i think that i'm not sure deron bland is the kind of underneath coverage guy that that zimmer likes that so that's part of it but i think the other part of it is like they just see like these two guys as their cornerback team of the future and i i think if bland hadn't had the season he did they might they might consider bringing back Gilmore. I don't think they think they, I don't think they feel like they need to. And actually, let me ask you a quick question. You've been a Cowboy fan for a long time. I think the Cowboys have been blessed with Hall of Fame talent at just about every position. I think the most consistently weak position in Cowboys history is probably corner. And as a consequence, I would ask you, is this the best pair of corners or was last year before Diggs got hurt, the best room of corners in Cowboys history? Uh well you know how I feel about hmm, you know how I feel about Deron Bland, um so I mean he's, I don't think he's an all pro, um I do 
Phil, like the three of them. Oh, you poor benighted soul. <laughs> I don't want to get into that again. Uh, but I do. I, I think he's. I mean, he's still a young player. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm. I'm hoping that we're talking about him being an All Pro again, and then mm-hmm. and me sitting here saying, without question, he's he's an All Pro player. But uh, um, so I I do have a little bit of concern about um, rolling in, in 2024. With Deron Bland on the outside and a recovering uh, knee injury, Trayvon Diggs uh, opposite him. I do. I I would love to have Gilmore back. I totally agree that you know. And Zimmer loves smart players, and he mm-hmm. fits really well. But I I agree with you. That's like they just they already have they already have two guys, and they gotta they're spending their money in a way where they gotta be smart about it. Can can they throw another you know, nine million towards you know Gilmore, and I, I don't know. I just have I've been going back and forth with this one. So I, I to me, I feel like maybe. And then of course we hear Stephen Jones saying that you know uh, we have we respect what he's done, and so I went. That's the kiss of death. That's breakup language that's right there, break, my that's friend. Breakup language too. So I mean, now mm-hmm. it's like Cowboys. They don't have any intent on bringing this guy back, and so I don't think they do. I uh, so I'm gonna end up saying no deal. Um, with this one too, but I definitely love Gilmore, and, and I would if they end up bringing him back, I would be happy. I'll, I'll be very happy. I'll be very happy. Um, so the last guy, uh, another cornerback, and this is a player that I've um, been critical of at times mm-hmm. um, over the years. Uh, but last year he didn't give me as many opportunities to to do that. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm talking about uh, Jordan Lewis, and I got him for two years, five point six million. Well, I think we got to bring him back just so you have an opportunity to, to criticize him before the end of his career, because that's really unfair what he did to you. Yeah. Um, so here's here's the way I look at this. You you had already mentioned that you thought that maybe our friend Eric Scott might be the big bounce back guy, hoping right? Or he might be the guy to take a big leap, right? Um, I I think that I think there's some there was some evidence certainly early in the season in training camp he acquitted himself very very well before it finally just sort of seems seems like he got kind of worn out. Um, but he didn't seem like over, he was overwhelmed, and he had the same kind of rookie training camp that both Bland and Marquise Bell had, right, where they flashed. And and there was a drumbeat consistently long enough that we thought, okay, it's not just like this dude made a play, but this dude's making plays game after, you know, practice after practice. So there's that. I, I think the other thing about that is they, they do need more cornerback corner depth, but if you think about it, instead of Gilmore, you can get Jordan Lewis at five million this year, and uh, let's or five and a half million, and then maybe another veteran instead of Gilmore, right? So you've got some savvy veteran depth. Um, we know for a fact how that that you know Mike Mike Zimmer comes from a, a place as a defensive backs coach. He likes to run more complicated coverages. All that sort of man-match stuff that he does that, that that takes a little while for people to adjust to. Luckily, Trevon Diggs has already done that at Alabama under, under Saban. Um, I think he's going to want to bring in a couple of savvy vet, veterans to, to, to as depth pieces um, because uh, – you know, he's going to need guys who understand that. And then whether it's guys who've done it before with him or whether it's guys where he, they, they, he feels like they're really football smart. So I think that when you're in that transition place, the likelihood of, of bringing in two veterans for the price of one, when you've got your two anchors at, at the outside, 
uh, is probably too enticing. So um, I think the Cowboys do that, and I actually think I'm doing that as well. I would agree. I I think for the price, you, it's hard to pass that up because he gives you that depth, and I think the the fact that Deron, uh, Deron Bland can be your slot ace and your outside corner guy gives you some flexibility to where, mm-hmm. um, you know, and Jordan Lewis, if he has to come in and play the slot, I mean, we're not hurting. It's, it's only when you have to ask him to play the outside is where it gets. Yeah. Busy. Yeah. No, he's, he's, he's going to be slot only, but I also think that from the slot, he does some things that, that Zimmer historically likes to do with his slot corners, right? He can cover, uh, slot receivers, he can cover backs, he can even cover some tight ends, but he can also blitz. He's tough against the run. He's undersized, but he'll he yes. he, he gets his nose in there. Zimmer loves that. I think Zimmer's going to like him when he watches him on tape if he hasn't already fallen in love with him from just you know watching tape for, uh, in preparation for Cowboy games. So I think I think there's a lot of things that 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 Lewis brings to the table that Zimmer will value in a really important transition year. Listen, he's got to sweat his linebackers. He's got to sweat his defensive tackles. He doesn't need to be sweating his corners. I think he's going to want to get a couple of veterans so that he knows that that's, that that's locked down. Yes. I, you know, I totally agree. And I, you know, I think I want to go on record right now that both Rabs and Phantom think that we're going to be coming, talking about this midway through the season and talk about how Zimmer has created Jordan Lewis's best his career year he's going to mm. turn him into uh, i think one of his best years and utilize him for, as the strengths that you said because i can totally see that happen him and him being a playmaker at the line of scrimmage and used in the right way and, and lewis is smart it's i mean he's not you don't have great athleticism and you know obviously his his size to the size can't do anything about that but but he's savvy and he you know he, and he makes it's tough and he's savvy yeah and so i and that's what zimmer loves so i totally agree I I, ha- I wouldn't have thought I would be seeing this a year from now, but yes, bring Jordan Lewis back. Um, and uh, so I agree with you. I, I, that's the direction I am going as well. So that is all we have for our show today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blog of the Voice Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review, wherever your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think. Anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys Hot Topics, any free agents you think are going to stay or go, um, let us know. You know, you can hit me up on Twitter. I'm at DannyPhantom24. And Rab, you can find in the parking lot after school at Ridgemont High. But don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay happy. Stay true to the silver blue. We will catch you later. Class dismissed.